I speak to you in the name of our one God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. In seminary, I was asked to read the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. These were the assigned reading for our community's morning prayer liturgy. Those are the 17 verses that come right before today's gospel reading, and they begin like this. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it's name after name after name of Jesus' family tree. It starts with Abraham, so it goes like this. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and so on and so on. I mean, I said these names for about five minutes, 27 generations total, and finally we get to, and Mathen the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. The hardest part was not just getting through the reading, but it was actually learning how to pronounce all the names correctly because in seminary, unlike here, people there would know if I had mispronounced the names. Later that day, my theology professor had the class give me a round of applause for getting through this arduous reading. And my Christmas present to you is that I did not read all of verses 1 through 17 of the Gospel of Matthew just now. You may point out that the genealogy of Jesus, his family tree, wasn't in our Gospel for today. And you're right, it's not assigned. You might say that the genealogy isn't that important for our reading today. And that's where I'd have to stop you. The commentaries are pretty clear on this. The genealogy is why today's reading is about Joseph and not Mary. This genealogy sets us up to learn what it means to be righteous, in right relationship with God and one another. The genealogy sets us up to learn what it means to put to the side what was previously understood to be God's will and to replace it with the new thing that God is doing in Jesus. And the genealogy sets us up to understand that God's salvation comes through the faith of ordinary people. So the first lines of our gospel reading today, the one that was actually assigned, yes, um, give us the facts. Mary and Joseph are engaged and she is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph knows that she's pregnant, but not by whom? Now the engagement of Mary and Joseph was a contractual arrangement. It, to be betrothed was to be, was like being married. It was a covenant between two parties and God. And as a result, Mary's pregnancy was perceived as adultery, and that was a violation of the contract. Under Hebrew law, adultery was punishable by death, but that's not what happened in reality because rabbinic practice was to mitigate death. Still, the punishment against Mary would have been severe and humiliating. Righteousness, as it was understood, would have required Joseph to follow the letter of the law and divorce her and report her to the authorities. Yet he doesn't follow the law fully. Rather, he respects it in that he plans to divorce her, but he doesn't plan to report it out of compassion for Mary. 
Eventually, we figure out that what makes Joseph righteous is not whether he follows the law or bends it, but his obedience to God. After Joseph has decided what to do about Mary, God intervenes in a dream through the visitation of an angel, which is the sign that some serious heavy lifting is required. And God's message to Joseph is effectively this. You are not going to change the story. You need to come to terms with the way things are rather than the way you want them to be. And Joseph listens and changes his mind and heart and becomes a full participant in God's salvation narrative. He is obedient to God at the risk to his own reputation in the community, and he sets aside what he previously thought was God's will to follow the law and divorce Mary for this new thing that God is doing through Jesus. And as a full participant in this new thing, Joseph continues to be obedient to God, and he names the baby Jesus as instructed by the angel. And this is where the genealogy that precedes this passage comes in. The prophecies foretold that Messiah would be born in the house of the king of King David. And Matthew, of all the gospelers, wants and needs to show that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies. The problem is that the house of David runs through Joseph, not Mary. And Joseph is not the biological father of the child who Mary's carrying. And so when we go back to the genealogy, Mary is not in there, not in the bloodline from Abraham to David to Jesus, but Joseph is. So when Joseph names Jesus, the son that is not his own, this counts as an adoption. Joseph adopts Jesus and brings Jesus fully into King David's line as was foretold by the Jewish prophets. And the name Jesus, to remind you, is a variation of Joshua, which means God saves. This is the new thing that God is doing in Jesus, saving God's people. We see that Joseph's righteousness includes obedience to God, compassion for Mary, and the adoption of Jesus as his son to save us all. Joseph is open to this new thing that God is doing in his life, and it's truly what it means to be right with God. What is most remarkable for me about Joseph's righteousness is that Joseph listens to Mary. She is a young peasant girl, lowly in status. And we know all the times in the Bible when a man has disregarded the value of a woman physically or verbally, starting with Adam pointing the finger at Eve, and including the male apostles who think on Easter morning that the women who have seen the empty tomb were telling an idle tale. After all this, Joseph believes her believes her that she didn't commit adultery, that her child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. He believes her because he believes God. He is right with God. He listens to the angel. And he lives all this out by believing Mary, caring for her and caring for this son who is now his own. And again, you see Joseph setting aside what he previously thought was God's will for this new thing that God is doing in Jesus through Mary. 
But in chapter one of Matthew, it's not just Joseph who is righteous and open to the new things that God is doing. I confess I've often seen this passage today as an affront to Mary, who, after all, has to carry this baby for nine months and birth him in the dark night among the smelly animals with no painkillers or antibiotics to ward off infection, no mention of a midwife, a lactation specialist, or any help. Yet, I've learned over time how Matthew honors Mary in this story. And I go back to that family tree once again. In the genealogy of Jesus, Matthew includes four women. They are not the recognized matriarchs of Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel, but women with stories like Mary's. There is Tamar, the daughter-in-law of Judah, Rahab, the prostitute from Jericho, Ruth, the daughter-in-law of Naomi, and Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, taken to be David's wife. Those women are in Jesus' family tree. They contribute to our salvation story like the women do later in the New Testament. And all four women have unconventional sexual relations, family structures like Mary. Finally, and, and including each woman was an outsider, a Gentile who is devoted to Yahweh, but who is in some sense said to be righteous, living by God's revealed will. Matthew gives us these stories of these righteous women who are precursors of Mary. She was an outsider to the Davidic line. She is devoted to Yahweh. She has an unconventional conception story. And of course, she contributes to our salvation story. Mary, like these other ordinary women, is also right with God because she too sets aside what she previously thought was God's will for her life and is open to this new thing that God is doing through Jesus. And what about all of us? Are you willing to revisit what you thought was God's will for your life or the lives of other people, especially those whom you judge to be outside of God's favor? Are you open to this new thing that God is doing in Jesus in your life? For to be open to God's work in Jesus the Christ is to know that God may change our plans and force us to deal with the way things are not the way we would rather them to be. God may put us in situations where we must, can only be compassionate to another person. And God may ask us to be obedient for the good of all, even at risk to our own reputation. If Mary and Joseph and all the others in the genealogy of Jesus, who are ordinary people, can do this with God's help, so can you. So can we all. Like the people in Matthew's genealogy, we also are part of this salvation story of God in Christ. And let us never forget this. Amen.